your sporting news, reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk. Cue the Calvin Harris. We are now officially meeting you in the summer. It's the sports desk. It's Friday night. I'm very excited. We've, uh, Sam Manhattan is currently in Torquay at the moment. He's taken a very well-earned break. We, he's fully deserved it after the year he's put us through on the sports desk. <laughs> Liam Cole's in the studio. Jerry Inns in the studio. Matilda McDermott is making her debut on the Friday night show. And I'm Jason Evans, and this is a big one. We're celebrating the arrival of summer with a summer of cricket special team. How good, Jason. So Monday we had alarms, we had sirens, we had everything. <laughs> Hopefully it's not today, but um, looking forward to we it. We should address that, actually. The, the, the fire alarm or the evacuation alarm went off while we were live on air Monday. And uh, I can attest to you right now, I arrived back at the building four hours later and they were still blaring across the RMIT campus. So we had a little bit of a, a leakage take place on the... Uh, on Monday, but uh, hopefully we can appre- you can appreciate and uh, understand uh, uh, the reason why we had to cut our show short on Monday. Hopefully we can uh, uh, make do with that today, Jerry. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, lots to cover today, very exciting times. There really is. Uh, we wanted to talk uh, with an interesting uh, piece of update in Super Netball. The pay dispute has entered nine weeks uh, with a lot of players out unemployed at the moment, but there doesn't seem to be too much progress happening. Or well, what's the big updates we're seeing here? Yeah, so Netball Australia was stripped of $18 million in funding. It comes after a key proposal to Australia's Sports Commission deemed non-satisfactory. Netball Australia also were criticised after a half-measure deal on Wednesday in which players haven't been paid for nine weeks, as you said, Jason. And players are still asking for a revenue-sharing model to give them a percentage of anything above the forecast. So... Lots more to go with that, that news article, Jase. Certainly so. Uh, also, AFL news, because uh, it doesn't go away, and we do we will be previewing, and this is something we're very excited for, especially from Jerry. North Melbourne are in the AFLW Grand Final, and they are going, we're going to break that down later on in the program. But for the Men's League, Brisbane Lions' future is a bit uncertain. Well, no, the club's fine. They made a Grand Final. <laughs> However, a new stadium for Brisbane is looking to be a soon-to-be-redeveloped Brisbane Showgrounds main arena. They will be uh, that it will be upgraded to a twenty thousand seat stadium, expected at a cost of one hundred and. $37 million. Queensland state government, interestingly though, and I believe this is leading to some interesting communications you're seeing out in the in the media right now, they're only footing about a third of the bill at $47.5 million. The rest is being put upon the Brisbane City Council, the Royal National Agriculture, the, uh, the, the, the venue of the showgrounds, the AFL and Cricket Australia. And this is obviously in as a result of the GABA needing to be redeveloped for the 2032 Brisbane Olympic Games. Liam? Yeah, and I, I think I've heard that other clubs have tried to buy um, home games off Brisbane because they obviously can't play at the Gabba for money to um, for Brisbane to receive. So that is very interesting, whether they could play at their new training base. Um, hmm. Maybe a bit small, but yeah, they definitely need a stadium and I don't think they'll be happy playing at Metricon or HBS, I should say, on the Gold Coast. Yes, or the show. Well, the showgrounds looks like it's going to be the mm. temporary home for now. The, the only issue being is that I guess for the, sh- the future of the stadium itself is that the caveat with it being a 20-seat stadium uh, going into the Olympics, it does seem like there will be a condition where it scales back to 12,000 post-Olympics. So uh, any opinions on that there from the team? Well, <laughs> I think it's definitely great for the government and I think it's great for Brisbane sport. 
Yes. Well, let's hope so, because there does seem to be a bit of conflicting yep. communication going on between the council and the government, but let's, let's just see how that plays out. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, now, in breaking news that hope happened during... The, not breaking news. It happened during the week, but it sent shockwaves to all of us here in Victoria that Mike Maguire has been appointed the New South Wales State of Origin coach, Just where just this year he was at the helm of the New Zealand national team's 30-0 victory, winning the Pacific Cup final. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, so he coached the West Tigers and got sacked a couple of years ago, but he's definitely renowned as a very uh, strong leader and great coach. So um, Brad Fittler used to be the New South Wales coach, and he's had about four or five seasons there, so it's good for a change, I think, for the players. I think it was about a six... I think it might have been a yeah. six-year tenure. And the record wasn't too great. I mean, I think that's the recent trend since 2000 with mm. New South Wales State of Origin, I can't deny. Uh, Matilda McStay of Collingwood, ACL, missing 2024, and we haven't even reached 2024 yet. Yeah. It's a bit disappointing, actually, because, you know, we always see these defenders going out, just like Alex Rance. I still miss him. He went out with an ACL <laughs> as well, and... You know, to miss a whole season before the season has even started is very disappointing for Collingwood, especially. Well, he missed the grand final, didn't he? Getting an ankle injury in the prelim final. And he was very good in that prelim final for the first half. Did a great job on Stephen May. So... Yeah, de- definitely disappointing for the Pies there. Certainly so. And uh, we reported about it on uh, Monday, and that is Max Verstappen, 19th title this year in mo- in the motorsport world, F1. What a run he's had. It was only three losses he's had this year, said Matilda. Yes, he has. He's lost to his teammate, uh, Sergio Perez, and um, a Ferrari driver, Carlos Sainz. Yeah. And those are the only ones he hasn't won. Um, otherwise, he's been on the podium, I think, almost every time. Wow. Yeah. With the season drawing to its close last weekend, as we talked about, uh, is there still some fallout happening from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? Um, yes, there is. Williams still haven't secured Logan Sargent, who was a rookie this year for 2024. So his future is sort of uncertain in Formula One. Um, he's kind of had a bit more of an average season compared to other rookie Oscar Piastri, who's from Melbourne. Um, and he's also sort of had complaints about, you know, being American and sort of being in a very Europe European sport and how he sort of feels left out in that. So we'll just have to see if he'll secure a contract for next year with Williams. And uh, not to throw the team under the bus, is there any final uh, major news headlines in the world of sport that have caught your eye in the week? Well, we've got some tennis. A bit late. So Italy has defeated Australia in the Davis Cup final in Spain. So um, Alex Demonor lost to Janik Sinner, 6-3, 6-love. Sinner's been in great form. He's won 20 out of his last 22 matches where he beat Novak Djokovic in the semi-final to progress to the final. And then Alex Popperin lost to Matteo Alnaudi, 7-5, So um, it was a good effort to get to the final, definitely for Australia, who they beat Finland in the semi-final to get there and Italy beat Serbia to get there. Yeah, fantastic. And actually, another piece of tennis news I did manage to see, no, not that it has major ramifications, but it's just good to see that at least someone is recovering because during a press conference, I believe, uh, uh, Alicia Mollick had to have her press conference interrupted because a girl behind her had collapsed and she was able mm. to tend to the girl until 
uh, until she was transported to hospital and where she is recovering now. So thank goodness that yeah. took place. But uh, notice that that seemed like a bit of a scary situation to have that happen uh, while promoting. I believe it was the Adelaide International. It was, mm. but thank goodness uh, the little teen, the teenage girl is doing okay and is in hospital. But that would be a bit scary. Sure. And shout out to Alicia Mollick for attending uh, to her and stopping the press conference to mm. uh, make sure that her health was. Uh, accounted for. Uh, Jerry with one final story. Yes, assuming Australia's head coach Rowan Taylor expects a Dolphins team of less than 20 at the world titles in Doha next February. So this comes after, I think they wanted to just have less numbers for the squad to, you know, be more prolific, I guess. So that's about wraps it up for news, Jace. And that is your news for the Friday uh, night, starting off summer. We said it at the top of the show. Let's just cue the Calvin Harris. And Jerry is going to get very excited because we are going to break down North's chances at possibly winning a premiership on the sports desk. And that's the wrong song. My apologies. I pressed the wrong button. Isn't he a DJ? He is a DJ. I played... That was accidentally... Corey Taylor, I was playing there. It was a Stone Set. My apologies for that. Oh, great song, Jason. Put that on the blooper reel. What do you mean I vetoed Calvin Harris' summer at the last second to play Stone Sour through Glass? I know I love that song, but I Both mean... Both are great. Yeah, and it's the... I'd per- rather Calvin, though. Oh, you'd, okay, well, th- maybe that's why I had to do it. I had to appease Liam Cole somehow. He is in the studio on the first day of summer, as well as Jerry Yoon and Matilda McDermott, and I'm Jason Evans on the sports desk. Friday night, we're very excited for the temperature to start warming up very, very soon. But there's a big thing happening this weekend. It's a really important day. Jerry Yoon... And his North Melbourne Kangaroos take on the Brisbane Lions in the AFLW Grand Final. Let's break it down. Yes, indeed. Well, North Melbourne are targeting their first ever premiership in the AFLW since expanding and joining the AFLW in 2019. So, it's on the other hand, it's Brisbane's sixth attempt to win their second premiership. So, they won previously a few years back and have made lots of grand finals. So it'll be a tough challenge for North Melbourne, but I believe the Ruri girls can do it. They've put in so much effort. They've struggled a little bit with um, against top four sides, so, but they, I guess, undermined that by defeating Melbourne and then defeating Brisbane following that. So it was really good to see. North, fun fact, have never been the Lions, so I think wow. on Sunday it could be big there. Um, there's a few players to watch as well. I wanted to quickly cover. So Talia Randall she's one of our key forwards has kicked five goals in the final series three against um, Melbourne and two against um, I forgot who we played last week <laughs> um, but yeah also Jenna Bruden Crows. 28 touches yeah, Crows. there we go, Liam with the save <laughs> I mean Garner 29 touches averaging a goal a game as well so that's for North and then for Brisbane Lions you got Dawes and Anderson averaging 24 and Shannon Campbell, who scored a match winner a few times this year, including one against North. Thoughts there, Liam? Yeah, so as you said, so the Lions have played in six grand finals. Well, this will be their sixth. Do you think their extra experience will obviously be more beneficial to North, who haven't even been in a grand final? Do you think that will be like really advantage? I think not really, because for when, when it comes to finals footy, um, it, it just goes to show who's better on the day so I think North have proven in the finals that they they're very capable and can hand it to the big teams as well so 
There you go. Yeah, I think the Lions forward line for me will really cause headaches for North Melbourne's defence. You look at Orla O'Dwyer had a breakout game and kicked a great goal in the prelim final. Then you've got speedster Courtney Hodder who got eight tackles, tackles up so much. She's probably the top five uh, leading tackler, I should say. Uh, in the competition. And then you've got Dakota Davidson leading the way, who's a strong forward, uh, key forward, I should say. So, um, yeah, she's, they're going to be really strong. She's battling an injury, line. though, I think. Yeah, so. I think she'll be okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it would have been uh, very worrying at the before the Monday. So the key aspect of Brisbane's game is to just keep some viciousness going towards North Melbourne. That will be their key way to get it. I think it will be very tough, but I think both teams have really good forward lines. Um, also, just with North Melbourne coming in with a little bit more confidence after defeating last year's Premier's Melbourne. Is that right? Yeah. Is that going to galvanise them, do you think, Jerry? That's got to be the main galvanizer, yeah, surely. Yeah, the confidence because they didn't just win against Melbourne. They demolished them by 50-odd points. So yeah. yeah. That must sound good to say. And, and Brisbane oh, sort of yeah, it does. scraping their way through as well. I think they'd be wanting to prove themselves as well. So I think yeah. it'd be very interesting. And it's been a great final series. The amount of close wins and losses. and uh, You look at the Crows, they lost the qualifying final by two points against Melbourne, and then they lost uh, the prelim by one point against North. So um, they'll be licking their wounds, it's yeah. fair to say, Jason. Do they come back stronger next year? They, is that going to just be a blimp on their record and they'll come back stronger for season 2024? Well, they've won two premierships, I believe, so... Yeah. They're a very strong team, just like Brisbane. I think they're the most two successful teams in the history, the short history. So I think they'll definitely, yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll get a final tip from Matilda and Jerry as well, but I think we're going to know where Jerry's going with this because they do have a good chance. I think North Melbourne will win in a close game by a goal. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be close as well. I think North will take it in the end, though. Yeah, it's a good question. I think <laughs> North at home... Oh, I think Brisbane maybe with their really? extra finals experience, but I hope North wins. Thanks. <laughs> I think you've saved yourself a lot. Take chicken there, Luke. Sitting on the fence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the classic fence so, sitter. Individually, it's been a great season. Many tight wins and losses. What has been our highlights individually for the season, guys? I think North against Carlton when we played at Arden Street because went with my family. Sammy Boy was there as well, and <laughs> we ended up walloping them by over 60 points. So that was good fun. I oh, think... and he had to uh, wear North jersey. Yeah, he had to wear a North jersey. So I think... The week Carlton win an elimination final as well in the men's <laughs> side of things. So that would have been a, <laughs> that would have been yeah, a pretty wild day for him. Yeah, it was a wild day. Yeah. I think um, that was probably a highlight too, seeing Sam in a North <laughs> jumper as a result of that win. Um, I guess for me, it wasn't really more of a game. It was um, Monique Conti winning best and fairest from the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, if I would have grown up and see, you know, a Tigers winner, especially a woman winning best and fairest, I would, I would be so inspired and I'd continue playing. So, yeah, I think it's just really cool to have someone win best and fairest for the first time. Who yeah, wins sure. best? Who gets best on ground for the grand final? I think Dakota Davidson, big key forward from the Lions. I think she's had a great year, named in the All Australian team. So yeah, I think she'll kick a bag. I think Jazzy Garner will kick a few, and also rein in on the midfield. So Jazzy Garner's my tip. 
Matilda is just going to let the she's going to enjoy think, the ride. I reckon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> enjoy the ride. <laughs> and that ride take it's going to be a thrill ride, and it takes place two thirty p.m. Sunday, third of December, Icon Park. Be there or be there watching it on the television. We've asking the big questions here on the sports desk, and in during the week, actually, this is a bit of a sports desk announcement as well as we move on and as we go to the break. Liam, myself, and Jerry, by the request of me, I can't deny has collaborated with Sin's rock and roll show Mosh Pit on Sin by taking part in what I call Mosh Pit's B-side podcast, The Great Metal Standoff. As we go to the break, we thought, I thought it'd be fun to talk music with Jerry and Liam for at least once before the year's end. So we did a battle between Red Hot Chili Peppers' Californication and Foo Fighters' Colour and the Shape. I did it with one of my very good friends who I met through the Mosh Pit on Sin program back in 2020. His name is Imran. He plays plays a lot of music himself. And we had a little bit of a four-person debate to see... which album we thought was best. That episode is going to premiere at syn.org.au at 12 noon on the day of our final Sports Desk broadcast of 2023, December the 8th. So be there for that one. Write that down in your diaries right now. An episode of The Great Metal Standoff with myself, Jerry and Liam talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters at syn.org.au at 12 noon on syn.org.au. The podcast is called The Great Metal Standoff, where the music music's greatest albums go in track-by-track track combat. How does it work? What we do is go track-by-track track and name which song we believe is the best in each. What we're going to do for you now is, as we go to the break, is play you a two-minute excerpt of one of those battles right now. And it was the battle between Red Hot Chili Peppers' song Other Side and one of the underrated, in my opinion, Foo Fighters' deep cuts, My Poor Brain. You're listening to The Sports Desk. Other Side versus My Poor Brain. Oh, this this is an easy one for me. I love both songs. Can I I go first? Can I get that Skorky Chicken? I'm picking My Poor Brain. Is that a chicken moment? They haven't done anything. They haven't moved anything. Jerry? Other side, my poor brain. What are we gonna do? <laughs> there we go. He's got. I just there. think other side because I just love the lyrics of it, like a how long bit and the slow riffs as well. It just it makes makes it chill. That's what I like about it. Whereas my poor brain, the guitar's a bit too slow. I feel in the middle bit, and also I feel like slow. it's a little bit too loud. Are we talking about that melody part in the bridge? Where it's just the yeah, single part. elongated. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. What did you have to say about Other Side, Liam? Well, when I was just on Poor Brain, um, my Poor Brain. Yeah. Yeah, my Poor Brain had to listen to that shit, honestly. Oh, <laughs> man. Give me the chicken. So I'd, oh, I'd say no. Other Side. Not that that was great either. But okay, I just, why is it not great? I just felt like the chorus was a bit lame. And when, you know, they finally got into the chorus uh, fully, I felt... It was at the end. Yeah. Look, Other Side's a well-put-together song. It's, it's like, like technically, it, it is a very, like, structurally and, like, the production-wise and performance and stuff, it's, it's a good song. It is a great song, in fact. In fact, it probably is one of the best Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. I think what ruins it for me is having to listen to it every single day in high school. My favourite moments in Chili Peppers' discography is the bridge to other side. I am going to disagree with Liam saying that the chorus is underwhelming. At the the start. 
at the end, it's it's pretty good. Because but. they add more layers to it exactly. as the song goes on. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, fair point. And then uh, what else do I have in here? That uh, extra vocal layers when they get to the take it on for the other side. Mm-hmm. And I, just, I think there's a lot more authentic emotion coming from Ketis in this track. So for those reasons, Did I'm you feel it? the two. I felt it. Oh. <laughs> I think that might be one of my favourite Chili Pepper songs, Other Side, from the Californication album. And the reason being why we played that is because Jerry, Liam and myself and my friend Imran collaborated with Moshpin on Sin's B-Side podcast to break down Californication and its opponent was The Colour and the Shape by Red by Foo Fighters, one of my favourite bands. And they're playing next week, Liam. It's exciting. Matilda, your opinion on what, who would win in that battle? Um, I mean, that song has always been iconic throughout my childhood. It's one of my dad's favourite songs, so I would have to say The Chili Peppers. Yes. Well, you can find out how Liam, Jerry and myself decided December 8th. 12 o'clock noon, the day of our final show of the Sports Desk in 2023 at syn.org.au. But on December 1st, 2023, we have a very special Sports Desk, and the reason being is we are celebrating summer, and there's one thing for in the sporting calendar, and, I can, and Liam can attest to this because he's very excited right now. There is only one thing on the sports fan's mind when spring turns into summer and December hits, it's time to celebrate this. Come on, Aussie, come on. Let's start things off with a little bit of a get up to speed because we have been covering quite a bit of cricket extensively this year, that being the Ashes, that being the Cricket World Cup, but there's been a lot more things going on. So what we're going to do is we are going to start with Liam here, who, as we uh, approach the summer of cricket, there is a season currently wrapping up, and that is the Women's Big Bash League. So if you could, Liam. Big grand final in terms of women's cricket, which is the WBBL on this weekend, and it is the Brisbane Heat taking on the Adelaide strikers at the Adelaide Oval and it's a should be an absolute ripper. Brisbane Heat beat the Perth Scorchers by 67 runs. Grace Harris, uh, Brisbane Heat bats woman. Uh, she's been in great form. She's a powerful uh, batting top order player um, and she set the tone hitting Scorchers best player Sophie Devine for 14 off her first over. She got uh, sent for zero for 41 off her three overs that she bowled and Grace Harris scored a half century off just 27 balls so her strike rate is about 171 which is elite Jason Um, so the Scorchers chasing uh, 190 they lost three wickets within the first six overs so when you lose three wickets within the first six, it's very hard historically to win games, Jason. So if you have a look at the big final, so the Heat bat very deep. So if you look at their number seven, Jess Jonathan, she's batting at number seven, So uh, and she's a great batter. So if she's batting that deep, you know you've got great depth. So let's have a look at uh, the uh, experienced middle order. So Amelia Kerr, New Zealand bowling all-rounder she batted really well and so did Dupre, uh south african middle order batswoman and then laura harris sister of grace harris she's striking at 220 which is huge hmm. and she batted really well grace harris 
uh, about her again. She is the fifth leading run scorer with 486 runs this season. And then Jess Jonathan with 23 wickets. So it's sort of a battle between bat and ball on Saturday. And then you look at the strikers lineup, their bowling lineup is really good in terms of economy rate. So Darcy Brown, quick, her economy rate is 4.12, which is really good in white ball cricket. Amanda Jade Wellington, leg spinner, 560, very good. And Megan Shute, her experience, she can swing it both ways. Her economy rate is 616. And Talia McGrath, um, 620. So it's going to be a really interesting final. Um, I probably think at home, Adelaide Strikers at the Adelaide Oval, they okay. finished first and the Heat finished third um, during the home and away season. So it should be a really good game. There you go. That uh, game takes place tomorrow at 7.10pm. And uh, it'll be, you can catch it on your favourite uh, pl- pl- viewing platform of your choice. It'll be taking place at the Adelaide Oval. So all the Adelaideans out there, christen the season with this final by turning up mm. there. It'll be good fun. Uh, Jerry and Matilda, what uh, BBL is one of the most exciting things to have happened. Uh, definitely within our formative years, if you could remember uh, the peak of BBL, you know, Channel 10 coverage, Scorchers going back to back. One of my favourite moments, and we played it in the package that you heard earlier. Scorchers going back to back, but with Brett Lee's final over being final three balls, also nearly getting a hat trick, mm-hmm. bowling two blokes out, and then a misfield decided the title. Are we excited about the Big Bash this year as we switch focus from the women to the men's? Yeah, I've got lots of memories from the Big Bash. I think that Brett Lee one was one of the first first ones where. Yeah, I think it was a run-out opportunity that just missed. So. Just missed it. Yeah, oh. Moses Enriquez yeah. uh, fumbled it. And yep. uh, if he didn't, he probably would have got him out and they yeah. probably would have won. So The Sydney really Sixers have been highlight reels yeah. in Big Bash history. I can remember Jordan Silk taking some oh. of the most spectacular yes. catches well, I've ever seen is, in T20. Yeah. He's a superstar. Even against the flight of the ball, it, he was just an insane fielder. That was something insane. Uh, you both are Renegades people, right? Yeah, mm. my favourite memory would have been 2019 Big Bash 8 when Renegades were two for... Oh, sorry, the Stars against our Crosstown rivals were two for 90. We got Adam... No, sorry, not Adam Zampa. We got Marcus Stoinis out, and then afterwards, the wickets just kept on piling on, and then we ended up winning that, Liam. Yeah, and I think Shane Warne said he'd never seen anything like that in terms of choking. And um, it was great to see. It was great to see being a Renegades fan and being there. It was a great atmosphere. I'll tell you what, I think out of sports desk solidarity, I might actually join the Renegades, despite being a Stars man at the start of uh, the big BBL launch from the mid-2010s. It was hilarious. Their their law is funny. They'll go undefeated and then choke in the final. Or they'll come from behind and work their way up and then choke again. It's quite hilarious. They've been renowned for that. So the first, what, eight seasons, they make finals every time (laughs) and they haven't been able, unfortunately, to get the job done. Maybe as in sports desk solidarity, I will denounce my Melbourne Stars fandom on air and I will switch to the Renegades right now. You can call me a Bandwagger all you want. The hot take chicken's in here. If you need to squeeze it, go ahead. Matilda, do you have any big BBL memories? Um, Not particularly. I have only really learnt about and tried to learn about cricket and how it works this year. Very cool. But I do remember um, my dad taking us to a Melbourne Stars game. So I will say that I will go for the Melbourne Stars. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Despite you denouncing. Um, 
but yeah, I just remember Dad buying us all tickets and us being more interested in the snacks than what was going on. You can just put this into perspective too. At least the one thing you can credit the Melbourne Stars is that at the height of the Big Bash, 80,000 people turned up to see them take on the Crosstown Rivals and the Renegades. And we're hoping that this season can be a starting or a launching point to rebuild the league to levels like that we saw in 2016. Liam, when we look at the BBL coming in, yep. uh, coming up next week, we'll be breaking down individual games on Monday. But as an overall, uh, overarching league perspective and from your observations, who are the teams to pay closest attention to going into the first game? It's a good question. I think the Renegades, not in bias, but I think they've recruited really well, especially with their BBL overseas draft. So they've got Quinton de Kock, who was the second leading run scorer in the World Cup, and he's going to love those short square boundaries at Marvel Stadium. And then they've got Joe Clark, an English wicketkeeper who played for the Stars and played very well. And then you've got the middle order of John O'Wells, Sean Marsh, Aaron Finch, Will Sutherland, Nick Maddinson. It's going to be really strong. That's a star-studded lineup. That you look at their trading. They traded Sam Harper, their wicketkeeper, for Adam Zampa. So I think that's a great. Uh, move so they've got Peter Sillo as well, who's joined the Renegades again. So their bowling lineup as well is very experienced when you add Kane Richardson and Tom Rogers. And then if you look on the other side of the city to the Melbourne Stars, and I think their list is a bit of a mess. I think their list management is list management has been really poor. So they've got rid of Zampa and they're trying to find replacements for him. And they've tried to find Imad Wazim, who's a Pakistani bowling all-rounder who struggled last time playing in the BBL for the Renegades. And they've also got Liam Dawson, who is another bowling all-rounder um, from England. So, yeah, I just don't know if, you know, their batting is strong enough as well. So they rely too heavily on Marcus Stoinis and Maxwell to get all the runs and... Mm. Um, I just don't think they're Joe Burns or Bo Webster will get the job done. Okay. Uh, We'll ask this question to the room. Perth Scorchers go in once again as defending champions. Where do you see them uh, getting off to in terms of start-wise? I think they've got a really strong middle order in terms of having Mitch Marsh, Avercrease. Um, Also, Hilton Cartwright has made a few runs. He's playing for the Stars. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. That might be worth that, it. That deserves a chicken, yeah. Put that yeah. in the blooper reel, everyone. Well, he, he, he once plays for the Scorchers, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, for yeah. sure. No, that's my bad. But, yeah, having a strong middle order for the Scorchers, I think, will be really good for them coming to try and defend their title, Jace. And the other thing I would also ask her, there's also another crosstown rivalry that burns brightly in the BBL, and that being the Sixers and the Thunder. Sixers Where and are they Thunder, looking? yes. So the Sixers look really solid, solid like they always do. Uh, they've got James Vince as well, who's been a very good player for them over the past couple of years. Tom Curran as well, he's back, and he batted pretty well in the 100 over in England in the middle of the year. Um, they look pretty solid, and I think the Thunder do as well. So they've recruited Cam Bancroft, so I think that will really help their top order. They've got David Warner, who will come back for finals, hopefully. And I do like their balance of their list with Dan Sams as their power hitter at the end, and they've got Tanvir Sanger and Chris Green as good local spin bowlers. Uh, final question I'll put to the room here. Uh, we talked about it on Monday that Rashid Khan is going to be backing out 
of the Big Bash for the Adelaide Strikers for this upcoming season. How are we looking for the international uh, imports uh, taking over the uh, the Big BL? Is it is it a good lineup this time around this year, or is there going to be a few omissions that might bring down the star power? Oh, it's disappointing not to see Andre Russell. Right, um, he's very exciting to watch. Faf Duplessis didn't get drafted, even though he put himself in the draft. And it's really hard with availability. So there's a T20 tournament in Dubai mid-January, which a lot of the players are going to, including Andre Russell. And then you've got a South African T20 league. So all those great South African players are probably not going to play. And that is uh, what we're looking for in the BBL right now. We will be breaking down the first few games on Monday in a bit more depth. Uh, as for that, we will go to a break. And we, that was just the domestic side of our Summer of Cricket special. We haven't even talked international yet. So let's take a break. Let's regroup. Jerry has been investigating uh, the performance of Pakistan and the West Indies as they are the two uh, international teams that are coming down to tour Australia for the Summer of Cricket. And we'll be hearing all about their form in their 2023 so far as we come after better by the Screaming Jets. This is the Summer of Cricket Special on the Sports Desk. Yeah! Better by the Screaming Jets. How energetic is that on your Summer of Cricket Special here How on good. the Sports Desk? Liam's here, Jerry's here, Matilda's here, and we've just broken down everything BBL. Now we're going to go to Jerry here as the Australian international team are going to be on home turf hosting Pakistan for three tests, including the uh, synonymous Boxing Day test. Jerry, how has Pakistan been faring in 2023? Yeah, they've been doing pretty well. I think we're going to cover the test matches only. So they've defeated Sri Lanka 2-0 in July. So that was at home um, in Pakistan. And I think there's a few players to watch, which we'll touch on quickly as well. So Shaquille has averaged 87.5 across 13 innings. So anything above 50, Liam, is something good. So... 87.5 87.5 is massive, and he's a batsman to watch out for against Australia coming up this summer. And then Baba Azam is also averaging 50 from 13 in innings, so it's a player to watch. And then we were also playing the West Indies, aren't we, Jason? So We are, and that's going to take us through into 2024. Uh, what, where, where are you seeing them in terms of the test side? And uh, Liam, have you got any uh, insights as well with that? Well, yeah, there you go, Yeah, the West Indies aren't as strong as Pakistan, in my opinion, purely because um, they lost to India at home in in a two-game series, one nil, quite comfortably. It was within in- innings to spare as well, and then their top batsmen are averaging in the thirties. And as I said earlier, if you're averaging in the thirties, your team's not that strong. So you got Shivnaran Chandapul averaging thirty-nine. 0.36 as their top batsman and then Carlos Braithwaite averaging 31.69 from 13 innings so it just shows there's not much batting depth there for West Indies compared to Pakistan and then drawing on quickly to Australia you got four or three players averaging alright in the test series they've had a few more innings though so Travis Head 24 innings 54.7 average Kawaja 25 innings 48.25 and then minus Labuschagne 26 innings and 40.95. So what are your thoughts there, boys? Liam? Um, I, I don't think it will be a pretty um, test summer for Pakistan and West Indies. That's all I'll say. Um, Pakistan, they're a bit of a mess at the moment. So are the Windies. So um, Shan Masood takes over Baba Azam 
for the captaincy. They had a very poor World Cup, Pakistan. West Indies didn't even qualify uh, for the World Cup. I know it's a different format, but mm. just shows that they're not really aligned. No one really has the motivation to play for the West Indies at the moment. Um, and apart from Alzari Joseph, their best, fastest bowler, uh, and Jason Holder, um, I'm not sure where the runs are going to come in the wickets. So um, it's going to be quite a short and experimental summer for the Australians. and um, well, A summer of experimenting. Yeah. yeah, so in terms of David Warner, okay. he wants a farewell game at the SCG against Pakistan in the third game. That is the big uh, dilemma too. What yeah. what is the stance of David Warner? What what are you seeing as the likely outcome here? Because there's a lot of talk. Is is he going to open? Is he going to drop down the order? Is it possible that he drops down the order? Is it possible that he's dropped? Uh, it's a good question. You look back at his Ashes. It was okay. It was much better than 2019, where Stuart Broad had a hold of him. Um, he played very well in the World Cup. But oh, it's tough. I do you give someone like Bancroft, who's been working hard in the Sheffield Shield, averaging 56 in the first six games, or do you just give Warner some farewell games and put maybe Warner, uh, Bancroft, or a Renshaw for the Windies games? I think Warner might earn himself a farewell game considering his World Cup impact. And then afterwards... You might put in Renshaw or someone else to cover up. even Marcus Harris, who mm-hmm. scored a century a few weeks about a few weeks back. So uh, there could be more there. And the other team selection dilemma. I think it's a great problem to have. So Mitch Marsh came in mid Ashes series and played really well. Got a century in his first innings back and bowled pretty well as well. And then you got Cam Green, who sort of fell out of the team, fell out of favour. He's playing in the Australia A game. So is Harris and Renshaw and all those guys who are fighting for a potential spot. And if we're talking about Cameron Green here, that slump was quite bad. It mm. nearly cost him a test. He, they persisted with him a little bit, especially at Lords. And Ben Stokes had his way with him. He didn't bowl well, did he? No. But to be fair, those pitches were very flat. Um, yeah, it's it's very hard. So Cam Gray got 96 mm. against WA at the Gabba few days ago so I think he's way too good for domestic level whether you back an older Marsh just for one one or two more summers or let's go with Cam Green let's put that question to Jerry Matilda what what would be your takes I'd back Mitch Marsh in purely because he's played in the last few test matches during the Ashes and he he showed he could perform with a century and half century as well and then he backs it up with a few centuries in the ODI World Cup so he's got form coming in and I think that's more important compared to Cam Green Sheffield Shield stuff it's definitely a good problem to have that's for sure hmm any any thoughts Matilda no I'm just excited to watch and have my dad demonstrate what's going on (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing with cricket memory sometimes it's one of the most leisurely things you can watch and you can just uh, see the whole game unfold before you what are some of your favourite like Australian test memories across the board here I'd say my favourite would be watching Mitchell Johnson in the 2013-14 Ashes just ripping through the palms <laughs> with the beautiful uh, handlebar moustache just ripping through those tail-enders, bowling bouncers, yorkers, breaking Stuart Broad's toe. It was awesome. 
His heart is singing. That's a shared experience for me as well. That's the first Ashes I really remember. And Mitch Johnson epitomises the Australian spirit there. Um, a, f- a few other ones would be probably when Steve Smith came back out to bat after getting hit by Jofra Archer and the 2019 Ashes. And then he went on to make, I think, 92 and then got out, unfortunately. But that innings just proved how tough our Aussies are. In the McDermott household, what, what would you reckon your dad's favourite uh, uh, cricket memory would be, Matilda, if you had to weigh it up? Um, I have no idea. I haven't really talked to him about that. Um, but I guess we watched Collie get bowled out oh, by Cummins this, this year, and that was incredible. Yes. His dad's like, the get big him moment. out. Get him out. <laughs> the turning point of the final, as we talked about, Liam. Yeah, and then we just saw the entire stadium fall silent, and that was incredible and, to watch and from And it home. stayed silent. Yeah. And Pat Cummins <laughs> has talked about how he thought it would be really satisfying to silence this crowd. And that that's a very – credit to the Aussies. They managed to do it. We, I, we, we said it at the time, and Liam can reiterate it again, we didn't expect that happening. It was a Water World Cup win. As well as celebrating the summer of cricket, we've got to celebrate what the Aussies have been able to achieve this year. And you ran through the resume this year, retaining the Ashes. Maybe it was by a technicality because of weather in the fourth test it was, Liam. But you've got to remember, in that last test, mm. they were... Batting comfortably, Usman Khawaja and David Warner, okay. and then they changed the balls, and basically England got a right. brand new ball, which was really well, not brand new, but it looked like one. Right, and, uh, that uh, turned the tables, and um, they won that game, England. Mm. So I think a draw was fair. Okay, very nice. Uh, major memories for me, summer yep. of cricket. Recency bias has to; it's distorting my point of view here, but. Scott Boland's got six at the oh, G, yes. build the man a statue. As well as David Warner scoring 200 and having to retire because he physically couldn't run. Yeah. <laughs> for the amount of recklessness sometimes, he will play a silly shot and get dismissed for 20, but then he can go out and do that. So maybe that is why you could probably warrant a farewell yeah. game at the SCG. But just would, yeah. don't be reckless, Warner, and <laughs> dismiss yourself three overs in a test and for five, you know? Just yeah. don't do that. Is that going to happen, Liam? It's the way he plays, Jason. Oh. Very aggressive. Uh, take it, take it easy, Australians. <laughs> Come on, Jerry, back me up here. Come on, take it no, easy a little Warner, bit. <laughs> he plays aggressive and will always be like that. Nah, cricket. What a wonderful <laughs> thing. How about this? For everyone in the back. One more time from the top. Come on, Aussie, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, Aussie, come, come on. And that was the sports desk on your... <laughs> to so, kick off so your Sunday. Hey, we're going to be a little bit wacky here. It's not, uh, it's not often we get to talk summer of cricket in depth because we are going to be wrapping up our coverage on the sports desk on December the 8th, Friday uh, night. Hopefully Sam and Hennett will be here to farewell the show with you, but he's taking a very well-earned break and talking, and we're thinking of you much uh, a lot, Sam. Hopefully we can see you back in the studio very, very soon. Until then, I've been Jason. Liam Cole, Matilda McDermott and Jerry Un have been taking the studio by storm on this Summer of Cricket special here on the Sports Desk. We've had a great time doing it. Looking forward to talking more down the line. Hey, Liam? On Monday. Stay tuned. We do it all again Monday, the final few weeks of the Sports Desk. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you've been enjoying the show throughout the year, and hopefully we're in for a really strong closer for the final week of coverage. We'll catch you on Monday. Have a great weekend.